0: We're glad our missionaries are here. Brother and sister boarders are here from New Zealand. But we want him when he preaches to have liberty to preach. How many want to get behind the, the man of God today? Praise God. Oh Lord, we need you Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let your spirit fall on us today, Lord. We need your word, God. We need your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise God. Amen. Where's uh, Sister Tejada? You just ready to walk out the door, weren't you? Come on up here and testify. Praise God And and have you heard From Rosie this week Amen Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord
1: Yes he is Amen I thank God for everything he has done In my life I don't get up here and testify much But there's so much That I wanted to say But sometimes you know we don't want to come up here and testify but no matter what I'm going to keep on going I know that we have our struggles with our own family, with our own kids. I know the enemy, that's what he wants. Right. He wants to keep us down. Yes. At one point, I was listening to that voice and I was getting, I felt like he was stepping me down. And I saw, I, you know, at one point I was staying in the Spanish service too and I was seeing the young kids getting up here and testifying, you know. There was that time where they were given the opportunity to um, testify for 15, 10 minutes. And, and I was like, what, what about mine? And then I told a brother of one of the girls that got up here. And I said, I was, I was saying, oh, brother, thank God, you know, it's awesome. And then I said, what about mine? And I said, I did said, I said, that's it. That's it, you know. No more. Kind of be saying I'm done. And then when I got to the parking lot and got in the car, I said, You're a liar. I said, Because that's what you want. You want to keep us down, you don't want us to testify. So I'm going to keep on going, and I'm going to keep working for the Lord. And he has promised that he's going to take care of mine. And I just want to say thank you for praying for Rosie. Um, She told me last week that she has zero of leukemia. Her blood. She's Charlie watching on Facebook right now, so we want her to know that we're praying for her, and we're going to keep on going.
0: God He's still a healer. He's still a healer. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Tali, come up here and testify. We did some men last week. Let's do some women.
2: God bless you, church. Um, I'm excited to be here. I promise I won't cry this time. I've been working on it. Um, <laughs> um, I, the last time I was here, I had um, shared a little bit how I came from a broken home and um, how the church has always been a family to me back at home. And now here, I have a, it just keeps on multiplying everywhere I go. Um, I guess what I have to testify today recently, um, I God just orchestrates everything. I... I, I when TBC was over everybody was packing up to go home and well <laughs> I I didn't have that yet I couldn't go home so I stayed in TBC to 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 um to work and I, as I'm working there I get paid for it so and then um I they told me you know you can go home you have two weeks rest and come back for camps <laughs> and um uh I was going to go with my youth leader and yeah, yeah. Gives me a phone call, and she she tells me, like, Dolly, come home. I I need you here. I want you here. So I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) So I happily didn't even take me a second. (laughs) Nothing at all. I just said, okay. Um, I came your house, I've been staying there for two weeks for now until I can go back to work and I love it, I love being able to work with you all, <laughs> I love seeing all these beautiful faces and kind hearts that you all have and I want to give him my best for God because he's the same everywhere, it doesn't matter if this is my church or not, he is one God and no matter where you go, you worship him and you give him your best um, and so yes, if I can encourage anything on y'all is just to keep keep pushing and even when you think you're at your best my pastor always challenges me to even push myself more take challenges in life and so you can get better and if you want to be better surround yourself with people that are better than you and god will take you places god bless you all
0: let's give the lord a hand praise today I thank God for the work he's doing in our young people, in our young adults. Amen, amen. And you said, well, you had three guys last week and you've only had two. I I know, I can read your minds already. But we got Karina, she's gonna introduce our speakers today. Amen. Because they're missionaries and she's our mission coordinator for Life Tabernacle. Praise God. And so we want her to come and introduce our speakers today. You may be seated right now. Praise God. Thank you for standing for so long. God bless you. Sister Karina. Praise the Lord,
3: everyone. Praise the Lord. Can everybody say Mission Sunday? Mission Sunday. I'm so happy to be with you here today, and I'm so happy to have the boarders with us from New Zealand. You know, I was thinking today as we're singing about uh, the power of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost and how... Pentecost Sunday is falling on Mission Sunday, and how many knows we're not supposed to keep the power of the Lord to ourselves, the Holy Spirit to ourselves. We're supposed to go and spread that power. And, um, you know, I am, like I said, just so glad to have the boarders here with us today. I was talking to them a little bit earlier, and they've actually gone to New Zealand on AIM for about seven months, I believe. And um, you know what led them over there was Sunday school. Um, Sunday school work. I believe Brother Border was the Sunday school director in Oklahoma. Okay, <laughs> close enough. Um, well, I just want to encourage you guys um, that if you have a burden or a passion for missions, it doesn't always have to start out as a burden or a passion for missions. It can start in Sunday school or any other ministry in the church. Praise the Lord. You know, every Sunday or every mission Sunday I try to get up and give you an update on some of the missionaries that we support. And I just want to take the time to thank you so much for giving to the missionaries. We're about to hear how our giving can help them to give to others and to spread the gospel. And um, you know, there's a quote, some give by going and others go by giving. And I just want to thank you so much for giving and also if you're not giving to missions or you're just giving the fair amount, I want to challenge you to give more because you will never know how much God will bless your life and increase your blessings when you give to others. Praise the Lord. So, Brother Borders, we want you to have full liberty today. We're so excited to hear what you're going to do. Amen.
4: Amen. Now, let's give that hand of praise to the Lord of glory. For He alone is worthy of praise. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be all honor. Be all glory. Forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just sustain that for a moment now. For He's worthy of praise. And he's worthy of adoration i've not come to go through the motions i've come to be a praiser i've come to magnify it. for he is worthy hallelujah hallelujah amen 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 Hallelujah! i feel the presence of the lord today amen and it is a privilege and an honor to be here today let me just give you before we get into anything, let me give you my word for the day. This may not be your word for the day, but as I've been praying, this is just what God has dropped into my spirit today. It's restoration. My wife would tell you today, I don't ever do this. This prayer, this word has just been so big in my mind. Just restoration. So if you've come into the house today, whatever you need, God is the God of restoration. And it happens in the presence of the Almighty God. I praise, and as I lift my hands, and as I magnify God, as I begin to give Him my words of adoration, all of a sudden God steps in and He can heal my broken spirit, He can restore the joy of my salvation. Amen. To the backsliders, He can restore salvation. God is the God that gives back, God is the God that restores. Go through life broken too much. And God said, I want to restore to you the fulfillment of your life. I want to restore to you the completion. The way that I designed you and made you. Hallelujah. And that happens in the presence and in the power of Almighty God. We've been in the presence of God. Now we could go home today. I don't even have to preach. And God's already done it. I'm going to preach. Don't worry. Don't get too excited. God's already done a work today, amen. You may be seated for just a moment today, amen. I believe that God has already been at work restoring and working in the building, and we are thankful to be here on Pentecost Sunday and on Mission Sunday, amen, and it has been told to you we are missionaries to the nation of New Zealand, and I understand across the room today there's a whole bunch of you that probably couldn't find New Zealand on a map if we gave you $100 to do it, Uh, it seems the case uh, everywhere we go. Somebody, he was so excited. New Zealand, that's wonderful. Did you drive here all the way from New Zealand today? That's a real question, folks. That really happened. Uh, if you don't know where New Zealand is, that's all right. Just grab a globe in your mind. Turn it upside down and you found us. We're there at the bottom of the world. We're down under, down under. 500 miles away from Australia. But I'm glad to know that God knows exactly where the nation of New Zealand is. I'm glad that God can see us. I'm glad that God... is hand is upon us and God is doing a great work in that nation. The same power and the same spirit that we felt in the room today that work all the way in New Zealand as God has been restoring, God has been giving us apostolic harvest in the nation of New Zealand. Amen. God's been at work there. In fact, just a few months ago we had our general conference there with an emphasis on Sunday school and children and That is important in New Zealand. Many of our churches rent school halls, and it's that. It's a school hall. There's no extra place for for children's classes and Sunday school teachers. So when those kids came to our conference, many of them were there at a Sunday school for the first time or one of the first times in their lives. But God got to working, and God got to moving on those children. I can tell you that 35 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. God poured out His Spirit on all flesh. Amen. Just a few weeks ago, we had our national ladies' conference. It's just a ladies' conference. It's supposed to be relaxation. No, no, no. God got to work and got to move. And they found a swimming pool there on the grounds and baptized five ladies in Jesus' name. Amen. As God was working. Ladies and gentlemen, now is not the hour that the church is folding up. The church is not collapsing. But God is on the throne, and the church is moving forward in apostolic power. Amen. The harvest is around the world. Amen. And God is doing a great work. Amen. In our nation. Amen. Today, for just a moment, I want to show you what God is doing. Amen. Now, this is, I'm about to show you a video. It's a short one. It's highlights. They may dim the lights, but don't go to sleep. It's quick. All right, but I want to take you there and show you what God is doing in that great land. New Zealand, a small island nation at the bottom of the globe home to dense natural forests, 35 million sheep, and some of the most beautiful landscapes in the world. Yet, in the midst of this beauty is a people in need of God. The Maori tribes were fierce warriors and entrenched in paganism often worshipping their ancestors. Today, nearly half of the 4.5 million people claim no religion, believing themselves to be sufficient. But there is an awakening in New Zealand. People are turning to God as never before. This man, Jules Matika, came from a troublesome childhood. As he grew, he became involved in violent racial games. He was imprisoned multiple times. But it was there that he first encountered the Word of God and he could not put it down. It was infectious. With every turn of the page, conviction gripped him until he wept and sobbed in his prison cell in repentance. He read the entire Bible in three months and through a miracle, he was released from prison the same day he completed reading. This man today is a pastor and a general board member of the United Pentecostal Church of New Zealand. The church in New Zealand stands to double in size as those of like-minded faith join and worship together. Oneness organizations have already come together in multiple unity conferences. With an eye to the future, join us as we reach this land with the gospel of Jesus Christ amen, God is working in the nation of New Zealand, amen, amen, time would fail me today to tell you every miracle, time would fail me today to tell you everything that God is doing in that land, I wish I wish we could go there and I'd introduce you to the young men on the South Island, they were baptized in Jesus' name, the church didn't have a baptismal tank so they walked them down to the ocean because everywhere you're at New Zealand you're close to the ocean. They walked him down and baptized him there and the church reported they told me they said that while they were there an earthquake struck so strong that pieces of a mountain were falling off near where they were at and these young men said it don't matter you've got to baptize us right now and may I tell you that the name of Jesus works in an ocean and the name of Jesus works in an earthquake amen but such is the hunger that we see rising in that nation Amen. In that same city on the South Island, that city of Christchurch, there resides our national wizard appointed by our government. He stands in the city square standing on top of his ladder and he tries to debate with anybody that will give him the time of day. He'll try to turn you away from Christianity. He'll go through all of his spells and he'll get up and chant do all sorts of mumbo jumbo. That city is bound by darkness and by oppression. But in that city, we have an apostolic church that is preaching this gospel. Amen. Just the other day, I saw that the church had gathered in a backyard, and they were baptizing someone in a swimming pool because a wizard can't stop the name of Jesus. Darkness cannot stand in the path of the light. Amen. God is more powerful than anything you'll ever face. Amen. And God is working around our nation, even on the North Island in our capital, or in our headquarters church of Hamilton. There we had an elderly woman stand up just uh, a few weeks ago to give testimony, much as y'all have done already today. But when that woman stood up, she collapsed to the ground of a heart attack. Nurses that attended the church came rushing over to her side to try and help her and they shook their head and said, she's not breathing anymore. But today I can tell you that woman is alive and well because of the resurrection power of Almighty God. Ladies and gentlemen, the power that we've talked about today is not trapped in your Bible. It's not trapped on the original day of Pentecost, but God can still raise the dead. God can still save the lost. God can still deliver the addict. God can still put homes back together. God can still restore you. Amen. And the power of God is still real and still rich in 2017. Amen. I believe and we see God working in that nation around that world and around that that nation. God is moving and God is working and we rejoice with it. I told you the stories have been left untold. I I rejoice with new churches where there's never been churches. I rejoice with resurrections and I rejoice with baptisms. But the truth of the matter is this, is that we have reached less than 1% of the population of New Zealand. Now if you go to sleep after that, you just remember that one thing. We've reached less than 1% of the population of New Zealand. 4.77 million souls are hanging in the balance today. These aren't just numbers. These aren't just charts and statistics. These are souls hanging in the balance. We have reached less than 1%. I was telling a gentleman before service, this is not missionary speech. This is something real. This is something that we felt as many people have testified. We feel in New Zealand we are on the precipice of apostolic revival. We feel a shaking. We feel a stirring in the Spirit. And God's about to change that number until less than 1% have not heard this precious gospel. Amen. I liken it to this. The, the Maori word, the native people, the Maoris, their word for New Zealand is Oteroa and it means land of the long white cloud. And it always makes me think of the story of the old prophet on the top of the mountain praying for a cloud, praying for rain. And the man came back and said, I see a small cloud coming. But in New Zealand, there's a long cloud. It is mighty and it is ready to pour forth an apostolic harvest on our nation. Amen. And you can be involved in it. I think your pastor has already told us. He's going to join with us as partners in missions. That's how we get there. I haven't the time today to tell you the miracle of that. We're supposed to be traveling until 2018, and yet we need just 56 people to join with us, and we're done. And that's a miracle from God. Amen. So if you want to be part of that miracle, why don't you come to pastor today? Tell him, Pastor, I'd like to increase my missions giving. Now, you might give him a heart attack. And if you say it for the purpose of giving him a heart attack, shame on you. Amen. But if you just pray about it, Pastor, I'd like to increase it, and we could just finish it off today. Well, amen. (laughs) So you can be involved as partners in missions, but you can also be involved when you leave here today by stopping at that little display. On that display, you'll find things that are for sale, things that you can donate to. That's for special projects, things that are over and above the partners in missions, which takes care of the lion's share of us staying there for four years, What we're raising funds for right now is travel expenses. Not just to get to New Zealand, but to move around New Zealand. Visiting churches, establishing new works. And a vision and the burden that God has put on my soul is for a place called the Chatham Islands. Owned by New Zealand, New Zealand Territory. 600 people live on the Chatham Islands. And there is not one apostolic church in the Chatham Islands. When you donate at that table and when you buy something off that table, you're making it possible for us to be able to plant a church in the Chatham Islands. Amen. So as you leave today, stop by that table and give a million dollars. Amen. But then also you'll find on that table one of these cards. Amen. It's free. It don't cost anything. You don't have to give a million dollars to pick one up. You don't even have to smile at me. Just come by and scowl and pick one up. And put it in your Bible. Put it in your place of prayer. Put it in your vehicle. Don't look at it while you're driving, but put it there so you know it. Amen. This is a prayer card. On the front is my family and on the back are specific needs of New Zealand so you know how to pray. I believe that God responds to the prayers of righteous people. I believe that when you get on your knees right here in Texas and pray in the name of Jesus, God responds. And He moves it nearly 8,000 miles away. And we can have revival, we can have deliverance, and we can have restoration in New Zealand because of the power of your prayers. Do you believe in the power of prayer today? I believe in it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So please, don't let this just be one more mission service, but pray. Talk to the Lord about what he would have you do. Amen. Talk to your pastor, of course. Amen. And God will bless this church greatly. I could talk about New Zealand for a long time, but I do want to hasten now to the word of the Lord, something that I feel that God has put on my heart for this church for today. So if you have your Bibles, you'd stand with me today in honor of the reading of the word. <clears throat> two passages of scripture today, one from the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 23 <clears throat> and another from the book of Isaiah chapter 65, <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20 verse 23 and the book of Isaiah chapter 65. As you're finding that today, I want to pause and give honor to your pastor today, though I admit, as the Bible says, I have somewhat against him. I'm going to be honest with you. When I called him to confirm our meeting, he said, Oh, yes, Brother Borders, we're so excited that you'll be coming here to Tennessee. Can't wait for you to come. And he gave me a heart attack. Because I ain't supposed to be in Tennessee for a long time. My mind was turning. Did I call the wrong man? Am I going to the wrong place? And and, uh, amen, but God will forgive him for it. Amen. He is trying to get me to heaven sooner than the Lord intended. Amen. But in all seriousness, I I do give honor to your pastor today. Any pastor that would turn over his pulpit to a missionary is a pastor that knows that the kingdom of God is bigger than his church, stretches beyond the borders of his own city. Amen. That's a man of vision and a man that loves revival. Man, you've got a good pastor leading this church. Amen. I give you honor today, pastor. Amen. That's right and well. Amen. To give honor where honor is due. And we thank God for godly authority in our lives. Amen. The book of Exodus, that's why I thank the Lord for my wife, this godly authority. Amen. <clears throat> the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 23. says, Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen, and all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Skipping now to the book of Isaiah chapter 65, just two verses there in our reading today. Says this in verse number two, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoke me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth got my tang That sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. Amen. For just a short while today and by the help of the Holy Ghost. I want to speak to you from this subject the power of brokenness the power of brokenness amen one more time today if you would just go to the lord and prayer with me today asking for his help and his anointing dear father we thank you for the mighty touch of the holy ghost that we have felt here today but now god i am just a man just flesh and blood i'm asking you today for anointing to walk in the holy ghost I'm asking you today to help me to be your servant, to minister your word as you have desired for it to be ministered, that God would find good ground in your people, that God, you'd do a great work, and that God, you would be exalted for it. Now all over the building, could we just clap our hands and lift our hands and give God a great sound of worship? For it's God that does the work, and he is worthy of all praise. Amen, amen, amen. And you may be seated today, amen, if you would afford me the luxury of beginning rather slowly as I build a foundation today, we will get somewhere if you don't go to sleep in the first five minutes, amen. Pride is a disease that all of humanity suffers from. I some weeks ago finished reading from the book of Proverbs. Uh, in my daily devotions, and I was struck by one verse, and it's kind of become my mantra and my, reshaped my worldview that uh, the source of all contention is pride, and indeed it is. On your job, any contention could ultimately come back to pride. Any wound that you yourself have suffered, it's ultimately because your pride got hurt somewhere. My pride was wounded pride is the disease though that each and every one of us suffers from in some form or fashion even here today we know that pride and its less grotesque forms have driven men to accomplish great and mighty acts many of the greatest characters from history have been spurred on by ambition by the desire to create for themselves a lasting name that would not be lost to history the desire notoriety has caused us to build ever taller buildings, to cause us to research farther places, to reach down to the depths of the ocean, to push ourselves to accomplish more than ever. And yet, always lurking beneath the surface of success is that terrible disease called pride. And pride in the spiritual sense when it vaunts itself against God, we know is sin. For God commands humility, Look of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5 tells us likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble but it would seem that Though we know it's bound in the Word of God, we are to be humble, and yet we cannot help ourselves. It continues to boil to the top of our lives. This terrible thing called pride that puts us at odds with God. It's been that way for all of eternity. Man has always tried to exalt himself above God. This, of course, is the work of Satan in our flesh. And speaking of Lucifer, the book of Isaiah chapter 14 Verse number 13 says of for Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He says, I have pride and I will move on. When he was cast out of heaven, Satan said, Well, if I cannot, then I will put that sinful thought into the minds of God's own creation. I will cause them to believe that they do not need God. I'll cause them to believe that they are every bit as powerful. I'll cause them to believe they need no help. I'll cause them to believe that in their own life, they need no altars and they need no communication with the Most High. Of their own wisdom and of their own might, they can accomplish all things. This was the bill of goods sold to Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh, you shall not die. You will be as wise as God Almighty. Pride has been around a long time. And so it is with no surprise that when we come into the house of God, when we begin to build our altar of prayer, when we begin to talk to the Lord and build a means of communication, that we try to make our church services, we try to make our prayers as much about me as possible. We stand here in our nice suits and our fine clothes and our hair done up all right, and we pray to the Lord in these flowery prayers. O oh, Thou Most High, it is I that hath come before Thee. Surely Thou knowest me as I am. And we try to be as poetic and as Shakespearean as possible. Oh, but soft, what light! And I didn't like Shakespeare, but. In our means of communication, we do our best for those around us to say, My, he's got it all together. Look at her, she can worship just right. Look at him, he's put all together. And in our means of communication, what we're really telling to the Lord is, I have it all together. I really do have this thing by the tail. I've got strength and I've got wisdom. And you're just here as one more ally to help me in my life. And yet it was not always supposed to be the case. For God's original design of the altar was simplistic and basic. A mound of dusty earth or a stack of broken rocks. And then He told the people, okay, mound up your dust. Build your broken stones and then don't touch it don't carve your initials in it don't put any images on it that nobody when they walk by your altar, your place of communication your time of prayer no one would say my how good that looks, my how powerful he must be, my how good he must be when God said I want you to communicate with me I want you to understand that you need me, I'm a God of all authority and you're just man, I'm a God that reigns supreme and your flesh and blood and my prayer and my means of communication lets God know I need Him the Lord said when people pass by your altar I don't want them to talk about your altar as if it was so grand I don't want anybody to say man he's built it just right I don't want them to say my it's it's so grand and beautiful it was supposed to stand as a testament to man's desperation (laughs) As man came before the Lord with the shattered pieces of his life. And he said, okay, God, I don't have it all together. And my wisdom has failed me. My strength has fled me in the night. My marriage is falling apart. I've lost my job and my children have walked away I don't know how to make it right I don't know how to restore this all together I don't know how don't know how to make this beautiful and grand and in desperation I'm calling upon a God that can put it all right I'm calling upon a God of power when you walk by my altar you won't say he's got it all together when you walk by my prayer time you won't hear man he's so wonderful and grand but you'll see a man of of desperation, saying, okay God, I need you. That altar of broken stones was not a testament to the ability of man, but rather to the hunger of the builder to commune with God. That altar is of the earth, it represents man's need of God. Somewhere in my life, I've got to come to grips with the fact that I cannot match him majesty for majesty. For the word of God says, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Sin has had its way in me. It has tormented my mind and it has destroyed my home. It has robbed me of blessings and peace. And in the storms and in the valleys, I don't know where to go. But God said, I will accept brokenness. I'll cast out pride, but I will take brokenness. Somewhere in my life, I've got to have a moment of divine realization that I am broken, and like that altar, I am of the earth. I have no power by myself, no authority under the inspiration of my own name. I can't hold it all together, but when I come before the Lord at an altar, and I begin to talk to Him, I bring all the shattered parts of my life. I need I need them. It's directly opposed to the message of our world today. Our world tells us that we need no one else. Our world tells us that we can be anything we want to be. That we can accomplish. And all the self-help books and, and life coaches out there will tell you, and all of it, it's got some merit, I suppose. But at the end of the day, I've got to understand I cannot hold my life together. I cannot be who I want to be by my own power, by my own authority. Somewhere I've got to fall upon an altar and say, Okay, God, I'm mortal. I'm of the earth. I'm broken. And I need you. And then we are saved by grace. As God delivers me by His love and by His power it's not that I pulled myself up by my bootstraps I didn't come out of all the things that held my life by my own power I didn't deliver myself from my Egypt I didn't bring myself out of my miry clay I've been in the church a long time but I don't stand here by my own power I didn't get out of all the mess of the world by my own ability but by the grace of God God passed by my altar and said okay he knows he needs me That's someone that realizes that he can't do it by himself and the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken heart he'll in no wise cast out. And God steps into my life and says, okay, I'll do what you can't do. I'll be the strength that you don't have. And I'll be the peace you can't establish. I'll be the provision that you can't build for yourself. I'm everything that you're not. There's a power in my brokenness. What I could not accomplish with my pride. What I could not achieve by my wisdom. What I could not hold together by my arrogance. There's power in my brokenness. For God always intended for altars and prayers to be prayed by broken people. You may be... uh, The devil has lied to you. He's told you you're unwanted and unloved. He's told you he told us he. He's told you you've gone too far. He's told you the road's been too long and that the shepherd would not come calling. He's told you you're too broken, your past too dark, and your secret's too terrible. And yet I want to tell you today that an altar was designed for people just like you. For Abraham was a liar and a coward. But he built altars and God said, I respect that. Uh, Noah got so drunk he passed out. But he built altars. Jacob was a liar and a cheat. But he was an altar builder. Moses was a murderer, but he knew how to touch the throne of God. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever you are today, whatever your backstory, may I tell you today that God's just been waiting for one moment of brokenness where you get on your knees and you don't worry what anybody else says and you don't worry about decorum and you don't care if it's beautiful and you don't care what anybody else thinks. You just say, okay God, I need you. This sin in my life, a Savior these troubles and these trials demand a God of deliverance I fear we've gotten away from broken altars we've tried to entice God in with how great we are and our music is right don't get me wrong don't anybody say that missionary don't like music I'm a little like pastor I can read your minds Building beautiful sanctuaries is biblical. Music is right. Everything that we do in our services is right. But I fear that we've gotten too accustomed to all of the beauty and the grandeur, and we've gotten away from broken spirits. We're not willing to allow tears to cascade down our cheeks. I'm not willing to break the flow of service to rush to an altar. And lay down upon it and say, okay, God, I need you. Because what would they say about me? They might think I don't have it all together. They might think that I don't have life by the tail. Who cares what they think? I need God. If I got to crawl on my hands and knees from the back of the church, I got to find a God of power. But you see, I got to get delivered. This world got a hold on my spirit and I got to get delivered and that means I got to have a God of power. Uh, that power of brokenness cuz something stirs in the heavens when tears begin to drop. <laughs> and I take the broken pieces of my life and I set them up at the memorial and I begin to pray I begin to call out to God something rings in the heavens and God instantly turns and says wait a minute somebody's calling somebody needs me ladies and gentlemen you want to find a path to God a broken and a contrite heart is the way and the path to the almighty notice the book of Luke chapter 7 getting ahead of my notes let me back up Bible tells us God's original design of the altar was for a mound of dusty ground for pieces of jagged rock it would have made it unbeautiful that lopsided altar sharp edges protruding in all angles man said that's not beautiful it's not what I want I don't like what it says about me so somewhere man began building altars made out of bricks easily formed Producing beautiful altars, straight lines, easily decorated. People could pass by the altar of brick and say, my, that's good. Man, someone's put time and effort into that. Man, it looks good. But my altar of pride, my altar of bricks from the book of Isaiah, he says, you have not acknowledged me. You've been building altars of bricks. You know what he's saying? He said, yeah, you've made a testament to your power and not to mine. You've made a memorial to your wisdom and not to mine. I see no desperation. I see no hunger. I see no need. I see no heartache. I see no bruising of the spirit. I see no desperation. All I see is bricks. Look, the book of Luke now, chapter 7, we see the contrast between these two altars. Verse 37, Behold a woman in the city which was a sinner. And that wouldn't go over well today in today's PC culture can't call people sinners they got issues They got difficulties uh, had a rough life Bible mentioned no words which was a sinner When she knew that Jesus said it meet at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at His feet behind Him weeping, and began to wash His feet with tears, and then wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed His feet, and anointed them with the... Ladies and gentlemen, that's not decorum. That's not beautiful. That's not a testament to her. That's nothing about her power. But all of a sudden, God said, this is right. This is the way it's supposed to be. These are the way altars were meant to be built and the way prayers were supposed to be prayed. But I fear we don't allow ourselves to ever be broken of the Spirit and the presence of God. Rather than desperate heaving altars of stone, we've changed into words. Words are there. But we build altars of bricks. We stand in our polished decorum and we say, I love you, Jesus. I need you. You are my Savior. The words are right. The words are there. But there's no desperation driving them. There's no need pushing the words behind them, ladies and gentlemen. My bricks don't entice God. My beautiful prayers don't move God. But brokenness moves God. For such is the power of brokenness. We find in the Word of God, Two men that I think bring this to a head we see that God would rather accept Jacob's pillow instead of Nimrod's tower for this very reason go back to the book of Genesis chapter 11 you'll see the tower being built by Nimrod Nimrod a mighty man Nimrod a man full of power and cunning Nimrod a man who decided to make a city for himself and in Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 3 they said one to another go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone they substituted out the jagged rocks they took away the mound of dusty earth, and they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. Let men see our tower. Theologians, as you begin to study, you find that they think that that tower was an altar. Altars were built very high. They thought it got them closer to their gods. And here's Nimrod building his tower. He said, let us make us a name. Let's not use stone. Let's use brick. (laughs) It's more easy to fashion and to shape. Let us make for ourselves a name. Let men see our altar. Let people pass our tower and say they have life together. Let them ask the thing that we have built and say, My, they are wonderful people. Let us make us a name. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. God stepped in and said, I don't like that. You're building for yourself a name. You're building your own reputation. You're relying on your own power. You're relying on your own cunning. Nimrod's tower was beautiful, but it didn't move God. And then we find later Jacob running for his life. He's tried through his own cunning to achieve all of his aims. He's tried through his own wisdom to achieve all that he could. And yet now his brother seeks to kill him. Now his life is falling apart. His father is hurt by his deceit. He's forced to flee from his own family. We could easily look at Jacob and say, that's not a man that's got life together. Jacob is a man that's hurting. Jacob is a man that's wounded. Jacob is a man that's got nothing held by the power of his hands. And yet God finds him and offers to him covenant relationship. And in Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 18, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow, and he set up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Nimrod had it. Nimrod was wise. Nimrod was powerful. Anybody that matched the two would say Nimrod was the better. Nimrod had wealth. Nimrod had wisdom. Nimrod had power. Nimrod was building a tower. Nimrod had everything we would ever want in our lives. But God said, I'd rather have Jacob because there's a man that's broken. And he said, I don't have anything to give you. Just broken pieces of stone. Just one place of prayer. One desperate healing altar that says, I need Him. Ladies and gentlemen, may I tell you today, I don't know who you are. I don't know your stories. I don't know what road you've walked. But may I tell you today, it does not matter how broken you've come into the building. God loves brokenness. There is a power in desperation that says, okay, God, I can't bring you in by my wisdom and I can't hold my life together by my own authority and I'm here today to say one thing I need him man that you met in the video today Jules Matika Jules was a broken man nobody looked at Jules and said he's got life together Musicians, you can come. I'm drawing to a close. Jules, you heard part of his story. I wish he could stand here today and tell you everything in that big husky Kiwi accent. He told me, Brother Borders, Brother Borders, let me tell you my story. Brother Borders. He told me, he said to the boy, his mother came to him and told him, Jules, I don't love you. His mother looked at him and said, Jules, I have plenty of children and I don't need you. Get out of my home. The child, Jules, was cast out, forced to find his own way in life. Found his way, it don't mean anything to you today, but to a gang called the Mongrel Mob. The Maori gang that believes that New Zealand is for them and them only. If you're not part of my tribe, then I'll kill you. I'll burn down your business, I'll intimidate your family, whatever it takes to get you off of what I feel is my place. Jules found himself there. The, the hatred that his mother had poured into him now, perfected by this gang, in and out of prison his whole life, everything he could to find acceptance at the hands of anybody that would, that would show him any amount of love, that was Jules. Jules was broken. Nobody looked at Jules and said, Jules, you got a good life whole body covered with tattoos today he wears long sleeves and high collars to try and cover all the markings from his days in the gangs but they're there you heard a story went into prison cell it was there that he found the Bible He began to read He told me he said for the borders I couldn't put it down You heard it. He read it cover to cover in three months. He said, I couldn't stop crying. He said, I was forced to stay in my prison cell because I couldn't stop weeping. And if I were to walk beyond the bars of my prison cell, the other members of the gang that were locked up with me would beat me up and call me a sissy. Because I was as mountain of a man as he was. He just kept crying because with every page. The Lord said, Jules, you're broken, and I can restore you. Jules, you've lived a hard life. Now let me tell you about my grace. And with every word, and with every chapter, with every book of the word of God, God wrapped his arms around them. He said, Jules, I can make it right. Jules didn't lay on the prison cell He wasn't in, let me get it right, he wasn't in some beautiful sanctuary with flowery prayers. It wasn't Jules standing in front of a massive congregation getting it just right and having everyone adore him. Instead, it was a broken man in a prison cell weeping as he read the Word of God. But God, I've hurt a bunch of people. But God, my mother cast me out. But God... Nobody's ever treated me right. But God, I've got hurt. But God, I've got wounds. But God, I'm broken. And in that altar, God said, I am a God of restoration. You heard the story. He got out of prison by a miracle. It was not supposed to be, but was released from prison the day he finished reading the Word of God. Found his way to an apostolic church, knelt in an altar, and, repented of his sins filled with the Holy Ghost today God has completely changed his life and he's a pastor he's a general board member and he's raised his children and his grandchildren in the church today you couldn't pick him out if you didn't know he would stand on the platform and he would be a mighty preacher a wonderful man of God and you would never know that that began at an altar of brokenness where he said, okay, God, I can't. And I need a little help in my life. Now, dear saint of God, for whoever you are today, the broken pieces of your life and the wounds that you've carried into the building, the scars from your life, the difficulties of the roads you've been walking, may I tell you that they're the God of restoration today. And He's waiting on you to build an altar of brokenness waiting for one moment of breaking where you say, okay, God, I've tried my best and I can't do it any longer. I need you. And may I tell you on this Pentecost Sunday that when you build that altar of brokenness, God steps in and He begins to heal and He begins to restore and He fills you with the power of the Holy Ghost and He changes your life. Would you stand with me all over the building? I admit this isn't what I wanted to preach on Pentecost Sunday. It's supposed to be power and Holy Ghost. It's what I felt in my spirit. I'd ask you to do with this with me all over the building. If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody watching. And everybody building your own altar. Right now, you this player, I'm beginning to talk to the Lord. Maybe you need to acknowledge a weakness to God maybe some hurt some difficulty maybe even some sin you walked into the building today carrying a load of shame and hurt (laughs) but god is a god that's ready to change your life i'm opening up these altars today for this church i'm not asking one person to come but could we gather as a church body visitors and church members alike as we come forward today I don't know your customs but I'd ask you to come forward and for just a moment begin to talk to the Lord I believe that God's ready to heal God's ready to change and God's ready to restore and He's waiting on one acknowledgement of brokenness one moment where in desperation I tell Him I need Him and there's power in that prayer. There's power in that brokenness. And all of a sudden the power of Almighty God steps in and changes everything about what you've been going through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's hear the sounds of desperation today. I'm bringing the pieces of my life and I'm building an altar today bringing all the hurts and all the wounds acknowledging my need of a mighty God Sir, you've thought it long enough. Ma'am, you've tossed and turned too many nights. God's ready to change it. At this altar of desperation, God's ready to step in. At one sign of breaking, one tear, one prayer.
1: the father's arms are wide forgiveness was by the precious come on children god why don't you let the body be in operation for a moment find someone you can pray with
4: find someone you can join with there are hurting and broken amongst us let the body be in operation at the altar today